0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus the Liberating King and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Over a decade ago, the people of Venezuela were thrown into chaos. Political unrest, economic hardship, and unbearable living conditions forced millions to flee their homes and seek refuge in neighboring countries with Colombia feeling the impact more than most. Those who fled to Colombia faced a new set of struggles. Overcrowded and unsanitary living conditions, limited access to food, shelter, and healthcare, and a constant fear of violence and instability. The situation in Cúcuta, a once tranquil border town located between the two countries, was particularly challenging with refugees crossing the border on foot in search of safety and basic necessities, putting a strain on local resources and infrastructure. Around this time, Pastor Chris led a team to visit Cucuta and through our friends at Berera Church in Mexico City, we were introduced to the pastors Mauricio and Isabelina of Iglesia Para La Frontera and instantly developed a relationship. Over the past five years, we've heard stories and witnessed firsthand their tireless efforts to provide basic needs for those at the border, and now to generate new ideas and creative solutions to enact long-term impact for their community. From the early days of providing medical care and handing out thousands of meals and baby formula, to developing a program that teaches kids reading, writing, and math, and creating skill-building entrepreneurial opportunities, Pastor Mauricio Isabelina and their church's steadfast commitment has become a beacon of unwavering love and service in Cucuta. Today, the city is no longer under the same crisis, but the landscape remains forever altered. And as Cucuta evolved, so has the mission of this local church. But through it all, our partnership with them remains rooted in a shared calling to serve those in need a shared belief in the inherent value and dignity of every person, and a shared responsibility to care for the most vulnerable members of society. Our commitment to this partnership goes beyond providing financial support. We've invested deeply into these relationships and the mutual growth that comes with celebrating the unity of diversity across cultures. The stories of hope and transformation shared by our friends at Iglesia Cristiana Para La Frontera are inspirational, a reflection of God's love. Pastor Mauricio and Isabelina have invested deeply in Cúcuta, constantly seeking to strengthen their community. Their dedication serves as proof of the enduring power of compassion. Their story, a tapestry woven with resilience and adaptability, stands as a testament to the profound impact of a commitment to serving, bringing God's kingdom to earth.
2: Ecclesia, this is pastor Chris and I want to welcome you to cucuta Colombia I've been here with an amazing group and getting to develop our ongoing friendship and relationships here has been beautiful hermanos hermanas soy pastor Chris bienvenidos de Cucuta Colombia cerca de la frontera de Venezuela where we are we're uh, we're with our friends we've been working here for so many years now we We came originally to the Venezuela border when the crisis was really at its peak. Um, The area around the border, the Simón Bolívar Bridge, was absolute chaos. And our friends stepped out in faith, and we got to walk with them, and it's been one of the great privileges of my whole life. And today, I get to do what we've been doing. We've been sitting around together and talking about the Bible and what God's teaching us and how to help the church grow and develop here. And there's a the kind of people that responded to a crisis. And the crisis isn't over, but it's different. There's new possibilities. And so today, I'm gonna do what I've been doing with them. We're gonna open the Bible, and I wanna share with you some stories from the Frontera de Venezuela and from Matthew 25. Sean invited you last week into our new series. We started the year saying, how, how do we read the Bible? What, how do you read it well? What are the things about the Bible that intimidate us? The things we don't understand and how do we learn to read it better? And you guys joined some uh, hearing the voice groups and you, you engaged in some exercises to learn how to read the Bible better. And now we're going to dive into some really important parts of the Bible. Jesus taught, but he often taught in really unique ways. These things we call parables. And what you're going to be reminded today is that when Jesus started teaching in parables, if you just hear the story at first, you might miss it. In fact, the parable I'm going to share with you today is one. Maybe you didn't think was helpful or maybe you got the wrong message from because what you got to do is kind of peel back the layers layer by layer. And in Matthew 25, and that's where we are today, the disciples have been with Jesus and he's been kind of the perfect Messiah. He's been healing, feeding people, giving these amazing teachings. It's been pretty great. And then all of a sudden, he starts doing things that don't feel like the Messiah. The Messiah was supposed to take power, be in charge, set up a government, a kingdom. This Messiah, Jesus, started talking about dying and leaving. And in Matthew 25, we have three parables. We're really going to look at one of them, but all of them are parables about Jesus, God, leaving and coming back. The first one's kind of odd. It's like this uh, episode of The Bachelor, and these ladies are standing there and One's not prepared and the others don't wanna share with her this oil that they need to light their lamps, to see the groom. And the lesson is kind of like, stay ready. You never know when the Messiah is coming back. Then there's this last one, after the one we're gonna look at today, where Jesus says, like, essentially it's this passage that's guided us for so long. I'll know who my people are by the way they take care of the poor and the suffering. He says, if you see anyone naked, anyone hungry, anyone in prison, anyone thirsty, how you respond to them is how I'll know if you're my people, if you walk with me, right? Really interesting passages. In the middle, we have this story about an owner who's clearly wealthy and he leaves. And he leaves the people that he knows, his servants, in charge. So this is what it tells us in Matthew 25. And if you've heard this story before, maybe you understood, or maybe you thought you understood, but it it seems a little different. Jesus says, this is how it'll be. It'll be like a landowner who's going on a trip. And he instructed his slaves about caring for his property. He gave five talents to one slave, two to the next, and then one talent to the last slave. Already, we don't know what a talent is and we don't know what this is. And a talent sounds like to us, the English word for talented. And we've often been told this is a parable about use the gifts you've been given. Well, you got to know from the beginning, this is kind of a crazy story. This guy apparently was super rich because a talent in that day was the equivalent of 6,000 days of wages. So just imagine this let's say your job in college. We won't even talk about lawyers and doctors and entrepreneurs today, but just your best job in college, right? When I was waiting tables, pretty decent day was 200 bucks. I could make 200 bucks in a day. Sometimes 250, sometimes 150, 200 hours. So if you're talking about a, a talent and $200 is the standard, the guy that gets one talent he gets 6,000 days of wages. If you took out the weekends, it'd be like working for 20 years. At $200 a day, if you took out the weekends and you got paid for the weekdays, that guy got about $1.2 million. Wow, huh? The guy that gets five, he basically got 100 years of wages. About $6 million. The guy in between who only got two. This poor fellow, he only gets two. He got 40 years of wages, so about $2.4 million. Already you need to know, this is a story about radical generosity. It's also kind of like a, a lottery fantasy, right? If you won the lottery, what would you do? What would happen? Maybe you can look at your life and go, yeah, I've been richly blessed by this. But what we know is this owner was like super, super generous. And he gives... These people that work for him. Massive amounts of money and then no instructions, no restrictions. Do do what you want to do and when I come back, I'll find out what you did. Anybody feel like our lives are kind of like that? Like, hey, I'm born here and I'm here and I've got what I got. and You got to figure it out, right? And, and these guys, they figure it out. And as the story goes, the guy that got five talents, he got We'll call it the equivalent of six million. He turns it into 12 million. Pretty good. The master comes back and says, amazing. You did great. I'm gonna put you in charge of more. And now, come join me. Let's feast, let's party, let's celebrate. The second guy, he got two talents. He got three, 2.4 million. He doubles it, almost five million bucks. He did really good. And then we get this passage, right, with the third guy. And this one's always been confusing for us because this guy, he was scared. Now, one of the main things you can take from the Bible, there's a lot of passages aren't really clear. We know how we're supposed to treat immigrants. We're supposed to treat immigrants really well. You also ought to know over and again in the Bible, it just tells us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You know what happens when you're afraid? You make bad decisions. You, You don't do things well. And what we know is this third guy in the story he was afraid. Now, I gotta tell you, one of the things that I love in this story is seeing these people that took some risk. What I love in this place, in Cucuta, Colombia, is that we often struggle with figuring out what risks are worth taking. Our friends Mauricio and Isabelina had a church here in downtown Cucuta. And you know what? They were willing to take a risk. and They literally, because the crisis for Venezuelans was happening at the border, they moved the church to the border. And you know what you did, Ecclesia? We got to come around them. And so we helped them. We got there and they had rented a building. And I'll never forget Pastor Mauricio saying, we rented the building, but I don't know where the rent money's coming from, right? This is the thing with this parable. You can either look at it and go, yeah, I, I'm, I've been really blessed. I've got a lot to steward. Or maybe you're like Pastor Mauricio and you're like, I don't really have much to steward, but I'm pretty confident if I step out and take a risk, God's gonna back my play. There's gonna be something really beautiful happen. And they did. And today, I want you to just hear some stories of what's happened since we leaned in and bought a building next door to that building and the beautiful things that are happening there. And my guess is you're gonna feel like, hey, that was a pretty good investment. And by the way, that building we bought, we don't know, it could have doubled in value because things have totally changed around there. It's an investment worth making. This is what you've been up to, Ecclesia, with our friends at La Iglesia de la Frontera.
0: Estos meses estamos bastante ocupados, veníamos siendo un centro de acompañamiento, no teníamos aprobación del gobierno colombiano en cuanto a la acreditación de los niños, se hizo una alianza, fueron muchas reuniones con esta alianza, ajustes, ponernos de acuerdo, eh, conocernos más y ahora implementar este nuevo proceso para que los niños tengan acreditación. también estamos ocupados en llevar a SOSO a otro nivel. Entonces, eh, también contamos nuestra historia a a organizaciones que les gusta que emprendamos y obviamente eh, un punto muy fuerte eh, para llevar a SOSO a otro nivel era ampliar eh, la capacidad instalada de producción. Eh, no solo máquinas sino también eh, el lugar en donde íbamos a fabricar. Estamos con la iglesia local haciendo una transición en nuestra iglesia Eh, de la parada, algunos ajustes y eh, soñando con plantar una nueva iglesia en Cúcuta, Eh, crear una comunidad. Me siento feliz, hoy veo en Mauricio cualidades, hoy veo en Mauricio atributos, Eh, yo no creía en Mauricio, para nada, es más, eh, critiqué muy fuerte a Mauricio, bastante lo critiqué muy fuerte, nadie me ha causado a mí tanto daño como Mauricio y yo decidí romper con eso a través del amor y ahora como me siento... Yo me siento feliz, yo soy un hombre alegre, ahora en mi corazón, ahora es con eh, la naturalidad, cierto, de una espiritualidad sana que me ha dado el Señor a través del amor.
2: So let see, uh, our friends here at the Iglesia de la Frontera, they stepped out like the first two servants and they took some risks. They they realized they were resourced, whether they knew where they were coming from or not, and they wanted to invest those resources well. And I got to tell you today, the parada, that's what they call the area around uh, the border, it's totally different. It's organized. And you know, one of the reasons it's different is our friends have been a calming force there to care for people, to love people. And that's what we've been doing together and the investment that we've made there. The alternative is a bit scary. If we don't step out in faith, we usually act out of fear. What happens in this third scenario? It's fascinating to me because like we've told you in the Bible, it's often talking less about what we do and more about who we are. And I want to ask you not to focus on what this guy does, he buries, 1.2 the 1.2 million he was given and instead to think about what he believes not what he does what we know is that when the master came back from his travels and he invited the first two that doubled their investment and took risk and they participated in the kingdom life right he invited them to the party to the feast and they celebrated and he gave them more to be responsible for but then The master comes to the third guy who acted out of fear. And this is what the servant says. He says, Master, I know you're a hard man, difficult in every way. You can make a healthy sum when others would fail. You profit when others are doing the work. You grow rich on the backs of others. So I was afraid and I dug a hole and I hid the talent in the ground. Here it is, you can have it. Now, I would propose to you that the master here is less upset about what he did and more upset about what he believes. This is what he says. He, he says, I know you're a hard man and you're difficult in every way. Now, what we know about the story is just the opposite. The master entrusted the first guy with $6 million with no restrictions, no, no uh, instructions, just see what you feel led to do. Anybody feel like your life's like that? Like you've been given an opportunity. What are you gonna do with it? And this guy believed all the wrong things about the master. He thought the master was hard. He had this idea that the master was gonna come back and, and judge him. He just knew he was in trouble before he even got there. This is the thing, Ecclesia, this is what you need to know. We've been talking a lot about it with our friends here. There's a kind of legalism that exists here that's not dissimilar from what exists in the United States. And what we've found is people that live in legalism, they act out of fear. What well, I wanna invite you to this Lent is to develop spiritually in a way that leads you to be more like the first two. You know, one of the reasons you can take risks is you know you're loved. You know God's not coming to judge you. We're not coming to judge you. You can you can fail, you have freedom to fail. And what I love in this story is that these first two felt that freedom and they acted out of it. The third guy was scared. My wife will tell you, she's a financial advisor, right? And she'll tell you the hardest clients is the one that just wake up every day and they're just scared that the market went down, the market went down and they just can't The market goes down, but then it comes back up, right? If you're gonna invest in your retirement, let it ride, put it in, let it ride. The people that, what'd they say? Scared money don't make money. I think it's a rap song. I'm not sure. It also, uh, a great novelist talked about uh, scared money doesn't win and a worried man doesn't love, right? When you worry, it shuts everything else down. I think Jesus ultimately is telling a parable, inviting us to say, hey, there's an inside joke going on here and I'm gonna give you more than you could ever imagine and then I'm gonna invite you to do something with it. Here at the border in Venezuela, we together get to do something that I think it's worth like it's worth so much. Ecclesia, this is the life we get to live. It's filled with opportunity. The question is, will we lean into it? I wanna invite you as we close out, as we head toward communion, to look at some ways this Lent that you can be involved here, you can be involved at home, you can invite a, a spiritual transformation as we head towards Easter that'll lead you to be more like the first two servants. And you can look at places in your life and say, that, that guy, that girl that acted out of fear, I don't wanna be that person anymore. I wanna be rooted in faith in a way that it changes everything. We let me pray for you and we're gonna invite God to do that kind of work in us. God, we thank you that you do leave us to fail or succeed. And apparently our actions, the grace that you offer, they're not just dependent on how we act. Sometimes we can blow it and you love us. And sometimes we will blow it. But we pray today as we're here, we'd be reminded we want to be more like the first two servants, like Mauricio and Isabelina, that step out in faith and trust that you're up to something beautiful. Just let us participate in the kingdom to be a part of the dance, and then to be invited to your great feast where we get to celebrate the things that we do together. God, we believe this is truly the good life, and we pray that we could share it together. We pray this in your name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.
3: Good morning, Ecclesia. Who do you think I am? It's, it's a question that I want us to entertain as we kind of try to make sense of some of the stories that we come back on a hype, if you were on a trip, you usually come back on a hype and you try to tell people about oh, everything that's happening and people are kind of looking at you, kind of like, that's, that's so great. And if you've been on mission trips before, you you may be tempted to dismiss it, saying kind of like, that's so great. I know, I've been on missions trips. They're great. But I hope we don't miss the arc of the larger story here that isn't that a few people went, um, had a great time over there, there's more to that story, which is a story of God at work, not only in the city of Houston and things around the downtown campus or around the Piney Point community or around our Lindo community, which are the places where God has invited us to be at. He's also invited us into a larger global story. So we get the opportunity as a community of faith to extend our reach, to in some humble way, try to say we've been entrusted these resources We want to leverage them for the sake of the kingdom. And we believe that we are better people when we do that locally and also globally. So yes, we do come back from those trips on a hype because we see God at work in different settings. And as we bring back some of those stories, we hope that they inspire all of us, that they inspire you individually, but they inspire us collectively. As a community of faith that is committed to the work of the kingdom. It is is this Kukuta experience that we hope would invite us into a deeper question as we entertain this idea of three servants. And there's two two narratives in there. One of people who were faithful and one of someone who said, like, you know what, Master, I don't know if I dig this thing. Like, I have my own excuse here. So, I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. So what did this person decide to do? Hit the talents. It is our hope that as you hear some of these stories from abroad, but also that as you think of some of the people that are close to you, as some of the work that you've done yourself, that there is an inspiration to be committed to doing more, to doing deeper work? I want to go back to this question because this question might be at the core that hinders you, that limits us from taking a step of faith and looking more than the narrative of the first two servants. And you, who do you say I am? That is a question that Jesus prompted to his disciples. Could it be that at the core of us, not stepping forward. It's that we haven't gotten to know our masters in the ways that he is inviting us into his story. Maybe you're new to faith. This is the first time you're hearing this parable. And I would hope that there's something in there that resonates with you, because like, if you have some money, you wouldn't want it to go to waste. You would want it to be multiplied. So if you haven't heard this story before, I hope that resonates with you. If you've been around church for all enough, you've heard this story probably over and over. So I hope you don't dismiss it too quickly, thinking, oh, here comes the money ask. It is not a money sermon. Although I would hope that is an outpour of us getting to know the master that gets us to a point of generosity in ways in which we haven't experienced before, individually and collectively. So for me, it comes back to this question. Could it be that I haven't gotten to know in this season and time of my life the Master in ways that maybe challenge me, in ways that I haven't been challenged before? And you, and we, who do we think the Master is? So what is our invitation for the season of Lent? There's some cards hanging around. Why are we doing this? Because we believe that in a walk with Jesus, in a walk, in an invitation, there's something for getting to know the Master, so drawing closer to the Master. And ways to do that is to practicing some of the spiritual disciplines. So on one side, there's an invitation for a 40-day of Scriptures. Get to know, get closer to the Master by diving into Scripture. The other side has a plethora of invitations. We struggle as a staff. Do we put one invitation and just go for that one? Or do we go for a bunch? We went for a bunch this time around. Please do not try to go to all of them. The invitation is for you to look at it and ask yourself, could it be that there is an invitation for me to ponder the question, who is the master to me in this season and time of my life? Thus, could I Go into depth with some of these practices so that I may know the master better and in a deeper way so that maybe there's something in us. There's a baldness that grows in us. There's a faith element that kicks in there because we got to know the master. And then our story starts looking more like the first two servants because we know the master. I have a new friend in the Kukuta border. This is Angelo. Yeah, he's cute, right? Angelo is an eight-year-old boy. Uh, he participates in this schooling program where they get to learn to read it and basically not to get left behind because for X or Y, X reason, they're not currently in school. So this, this serves that purpose. So, we try to do something with the kiddos while we are there, something special, not too disruptive. We're not the heroes of the story here, but we try to bring something on the days that we are there. So this time around, uh, Danny, our student director, decided let's just go paint some stuff. We do that here at Ecclesia, so let's do that. So we bought them canvases and they had paint already, so we knew we'd, they experimented with some of that before. So then Angelo, after they finished the, the setup, which was a beautiful setup because you got kids that the day before have been playing around and it makes you wonder, it's like, why did we do this? They're climbing walls. I was like, why did we do this? So the next day we went into painting. And you could see all the kids eagerly waiting to get the paint and the brushes to them. Some of the most hyped up kids from the day before waited probably seven to eight minutes, which is a lot if you're eight or nine years old. If you have kids, you could say amen to that. They patiently waited to, for, their, for, their, for their supplies to be delivered to them. So once, once they finish, Angelo comes running to me and says, Ramon, Ramon, mira, mi primera pieza de arte. Hey, Ramon, Ramon, come and look. It's my first masterpiece. And I chuckle with him. I was like, yeah, isn't that great? We'll get, to, we'll get to put it on the walls in your room, in your classroom, so that you're reminded how creative you are and all of that. And he's like, oh, but I wanted to take it home. It was like, well, this is what we decided. And then I caught him what was happening. It was close to pickup time. So mom was getting ready to pick him up. So I kind of sensed and I said, you know what? Is it that you wanted to show it to mom? Yes, I wanted to show it. So can we cut a deal? Can you go and show it to mom and bring it back? Yes. And he goes running and shows it to mom. And of course, he's coming back super happy. Here you go, Ramon. Thank you for like, letting me show it to mom and all of that. So where am I going? Where am I going with this? This quickly reminded me of this piece of our prayer. We say this very often. It's all the one we're doing for the Lenten season. We give. We give ourselves generously with the excitement of children at play. Because we get to join the master. We get to join with your mission and with your kingdom. Ecclesia, could it be that we need to re-entertain the question of, who do you think I am? This is how the passage goes in that conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you, you're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. So I ask us, I ask you today, who do you think the master is? And this is what Jesus said to Peter. And it is my hope that as we respond to Jesus, Jesus, saying, Jesus, we believe you are the anointed ones. That you would hear similar words from Jesus, as he said to Peter, because of the potential that you have in you with the things that God has entrusted onto you. Jesus says, hey, Peter, you didn't get that answer out of the books. You actually learned that from God, my father up in heaven. And now, now I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter. You are the rock on which I will put together my church. And please do not miss this, because I hear the anointed one telling you and telling us that when we trust him, when we don't miss it, when we get to know the master, I give you the keys. I give you this invitation into the kingdom. Come, faithful servant. Join me and feast. Could it be Ecclesia? That in this season, we can dive into Lent. We can dive into some spiritual practices to get to know the Master. So that with the excitement that Angelo put into his painting, we can look at the canvas that he has entrusted us. And color that and go out to the world with excitement to share what we've been entrusted.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecthasiahouston.org.